listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And uh, hey, I wanted to let you guys know about something that I'm working on. I am trying to get gather some resources for the um, tabletop role-playing game D&D community. Um, these are like websites and blogs that I have been finding and um, use on a um, D&D today basis. You know, not day to day, but when I, I play D&D. D&D today. <laughs> what? It was good. Um, so if you go to our website, nextsessionpodcast.com, um, up in the top corner, you know, where the menu usually is, you can click on the resources tab. And I'm just going to update that as often as I find them. And uh, hopefully that'll help. There's uh, Don John I posted on there. There is a um, fantastic blog um, called uh, Dyson's uh, Dodecahedron. And he has over 900 different maps that are free to use um, and amazing. And I believe hand-drawn. They're really cool. Um, and then there was another one too. Just just go to the resources tab on our website and you'll, you can look through. And I, I really want to post... We talked about this a while ago, but I found this blog called The Monsters Know What They're Doing, and I want to post uh, that as well. And I'm trying to get um, permission from all of the uh, the owners of said blogs um, to, to have a link on our resources tab. And hey, if you know of a resource that I'm missing, please feel free to uh, email us, nextsessionpodcast at gmail, and, uh, and let me know, and I'll put it on the website. Yeah, that's awesome. I love I love finding good repositories for resources. I'm glad that we can help do that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, really, it's kind of just a way for me to have all my favorite websites in one sure, spot. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's helpful for everybody else, that's great, too. But, you know, this is selfish. This is for me. <laughs> there is um, so much usefulness that is out there. Like, so many amazing game masters have created resources or have blogs with helpful advice like one of the things that i like so much about the D community or the rpg community is the fact that everybody is so willing to share uh and be forthright and be be you know willing to to say hey i, I thought of this cool thing or i discovered this cool thing i want to share with everybody and I, I just think that's so awesome yeah i also like that even if you have an idea of like a module or something that you want to put out there a lot of times people will put it on what what's that site like drive through RPG. Yeah, drive through RPG, and they'll say like, "Hey, this is my baby. I made this. If you want to donate, that'd be great." Sure. It's not like a. There's no barrier to entry here. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, um, I think it's maybe because it's a game that's so collaborative in nature that the people who really get deep into it, you know, find it to be a very collaborative space and want to continue that collaboration on a in, on a meta scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, into the hobby itself. I really appreciate that. Me too. Um, and there's lots of people out there who have questions. There are a lot of people who have questions. Like Troll Under Te Mountain. Troll Under Te Mountain. Te Mountain. It's T- the is spelled T-E-H, hmm. like you do. Maybe Te is the name of the mountain. Oh, but it's not capitalized. Mountain is. Oh. So no. So no. <laughs> it's not. That's not a proper proper noun um troll under tim mountain says how to make my players terrified of wasps well i mean i mean throw wasps up yeah (laughs) i think they're already terrified i mean i am (laughs) um they they go on to say uh i was working outside on my lawn earlier when i suddenly got 
blitzed by a wasp. Does that mean that they got stung or like like it was a low drive-by? Blitz is usually a football term to mean like um like uh charged at. Okay. So Because that's that's how it works in in football. A blitz is is like where uh the you don't know. The line is char- the football. line is charging at you. That's what a blitz is. <laughs> okay. Um so low flyby. Uh, ter- <laughs> uh, terrified of the buzzing angel of death, I ran for my life. How do I impart that same sense of fear and terror into my players while also having the wasp only hit for one or two points of damage? Hmm. So you're this big beefy character. There's a little tiny wasp over there. They're only going to hit for one or two damage, but you want to impart that fear that most normal people have. I shouldn't say normal. Neurotypical people have when there's a wasp in the room. My answer, put a wasp in the room. <laughs> put a real wasp That'll in the room. That'll make D&D them scared. <laughs> <laughs> really evoke the empathy. Yeah. Um, I do not actually advise putting th- a wasp in your room. This is an interesting question. So normally what I would say is you can make wasps that do a whole lot of damage. You can make a whole swarm of wasps. And, and maybe we can talk about some of those. Yeah, swarm's in, a good idea. In this question. But... The part that's really interesting here is Troll Under to Mountain says, while having the wasp only hit for one or two points of damage. Yeah. And that's a really interesting question. How can I make something scary in the game without it doing a lot of damage to the players? Hmm. Which is which is sort of a, a, an extra question. So let's let's tackle both those. Because okay. I think I think that's a super interesting question as well. Um, and maybe maybe related, maybe we can tie them in together. So first, let's let's assume without that last part. Uh, how do I make a wasp or or a swarm of wasps scary? Um, I'm a fan of cinematic approaches for making stuff scary, as you've talked about. Yes, many so, times. So we talk sometimes about like um, power level. Uh, there's this sort of transitive property idea that if something's really strong. And then I watch something destroy the thing that is really strong. Now I know that this other thing is way, way stronger, right? I fight a big bad guy and he's tough and burly and and I watch him and, and we're all dealing blows against him and he laughs it off. And then I watch as another bad guy comes by and lays him out with one punch. And now I go, oh man, that guy is really strong. <laughs> so you want there to be a bigger wasp to come along? What I want... So one one technique, one way to make your players afraid of a bad guy without actually being hit by the bad guy is to have another bad guy who the players know is strong and then have that bad guy killed or knocked unconscious or otherwise horribly damaged or something by the bigger bad guy. Well, what if the bigger bad guy just runs away from the wasp in fear? Um, that, that might work. Because but it, the, the wasp but it, is only supposed to do one or two points of damage. It's, so it's maybe likely they're... to be far more comedic than it is, than it is like actually scary. Well, Although it depends if you, on do, how you if deliver it. it, right. Yeah. Um, so that's a possibility. Um, uh, but like in the concept of like a swarm of wasps, one, one way to do this is, and they actually do this in, um, the mummy is a great example of this. I don't think you've actually seen the mummy, have you? Brendan not Fraser. officially, no. I have not officially seen The Mummy. In The Mummy, there are these great bugs that are these scarab beetles. Um, and they're horrifying. I'll describe what they do individually later on. Don't uh, worry. I know scarab beetles. I played Aladdin on the Sega Genesis. It's much more scary than that. Um, 
But there's also these scenes where this, there's whole, like, sort of giant swarms of scarab beetles. And there's a guy who sort of falls down, a, a like, classic, you know, minion extra who falls down and then just gets consumed in a matter of seconds by the scarab beetles. And that's this that's the scary part. We can't... The scarab beetles are so dangerous that we can't watch, like... Brendan Fraser get attacked by the scarab beetles to show how powerful they are because apparently they can they can completely consume a person in like a second. So because they're such a dangerous thing, instead we have to watch them consume someone else to oh, demonstrate the power of the scarab beetles. Like the Vashtanarada in yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, a great example. So this is used cinematically as a trick all the time. And this is a great thing for you to do, right? So you have your players and you are fighting... Um, you know, some uh, a, a terrifying beast out in the wilderness, or you're fighting, you know, a series of bandits or something, and you have the a single wasp or a swarm of wasps or however you want to make it seem powerful, and then you're fighting this this whole owlbear and and you've all gone to blows against it, and then this swarm of wasps shows up and just completely takes out the owlbear in one in one like maneuver, and then basically turns its attention towards you, mm-hmm. and then you go. We fought that owlbear for two rounds, and it like didn't even seem winded, and those wasps just took it out in one hit. Like, we are getting out of here. Those wasps are way too strong for us. So it's just a way to demonstrate, without actually having to deliver the blow to the players, the power of, of some creature. And you could do the same thing with a single wasp, like you said, all about description, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can l- give the opportunity that this single wasp flies by and stings the owlbear, and the owlbear keels over. Um, harder to do, but if you can describe it well, and I'm always such a big fan of good description as a game master, mm-hmm. that, that's so meaningful, means the world. And that's actually what we're going to talk about for the, for the second half here. So I, I like that. I like the transitive property as a, as a way to demonstrate the power of anything. And that can totally be used in this case to, to demonstrate the power of, of a wasp or a swarm or something along those lines. Um, also... A knowledge nature check never hurts. Right. Um, but this question, the wasp can only do one or two points of damage. This question, the wasp is not actually dangerous. It's, eh, you know, it's annoying. <laughs> well, sure. But remember that you're, you are adventurers in a, in a fantasy world where you face things like getting hit by a fireball that does 30 damage to you. Yeah, you... okay. I guess in this case, a wasp sting would be like a paper cut to my adventurer. However, in real life, I don't think a wasp sting is like a paper cut. I think it's way worse than that. Um, I totally agree. And I think that's actually part of the problem here. Like, is, how do you define one point of damage? What right. is one point of damage? Is a wasp sting in real life equivalent to a one point in damage in, right. a, in a D&D to game? To me, a and, one point damage is like, ah, oh, I stubbed my toe. Yeah, or, or you know, I've got a hangnail or something. or Like, ooh, ah, yeah, you or, scratched or, me. Or like you said, like a paper cut, right? right. Like that's, that's sort of a one point of damage. A wasp sting actually hurts quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I would say... It would be significantly more than a one point. I'd say it's at least a three. Um, Yeah. And Um, if you're allergic, way more than that. Sure. Maybe even five damage. Um, You know, I don't know how many hit points I have in real life, but but I know that that like I'm scared of a wasp sting. Even if even if I didn't, if I knew it wasn't going to do any permanent damage and I'm not allergic and all of those things, I'm still scared of it. It's still going to hurt. It hurts more than like getting a shot hurts. Uh, for like a vaccination or something like that and so like 
I, I think it's a significant amount of damage. I think it's more than one or two points of damage in the real world where I'm a level zero, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and for somebody who is, you know, a level five barbarian, like, yeah, this wasp is, does not really represent any kind of real danger. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem here. But the other part of the problem is also from the perspective of um, of the adventurers having faced down really, really scary things. So, like, even if you don't know how much damage the wasp is going to do, you have you have faced down, you know, dragons and and terrifying creatures and people with swords and bows and arrows and and magic spells, and that makes this a little harder to sell. Yeah. Well, I have a way I would sell it. Okay, I want to I want to hear it. Okay, so how I would sell it is that you go into great lengths of of description. You talk about how there's a buzzing and you don't know where it's coming from. And every every once in a while you you catch something out of out of the corner of your eye and you're not sure what it is. You know, roll a nature check or whatever. Oh, you you recognize that that is like a bee or a wasp or something and it, and it seems to be interestingly it's attracted to you and it keeps it keeps doing these like low flybys at you and grazing grazing your skin and buzzing into your ear and and it's trying to crawl into your armor and and it starts biting you or you know and you, you build you build on it until they're like oh my god get the hell off of me like and then um now you're fighting this thing that you can't hit because it's it's small and it's flying and it, it's intelligent apparently and it knows what it's doing. That's what I would do. Yeah. So what you're talking about is lean into the description, right? Mm-hmm. Give a whole lot of description about this. Um, what, as a game master, bothers you about wasps? As a person, I should say. I know. I was going to say as a game master? Well, I say as a game master because... Um, the the thing that you're going to do is you're going to think about what bothers you and you're going to use that as the way to describe the the experience here. I don't like wasps because um, I feel like they sting for no reason. Whereas like bumblebees tend to only sting to defend themselves because it, they will die if they sting you. It's kind of a last ditch effort. Mm-hmm. So wasps uh, bite and sting at will. Um, they do have a lot of buddies um that can come out there's not generally a scout there's generally a a crap ton of them and they like they're attracted to my food outside i can't enjoy a sunny day because there's this threat that a sting is going to happen at any moment for no reason Hmm. but it's not just that they're fast yeah and you don't know where they are and i also never know i can't really identify if it's a wasp or a yellow jacket or a hornet i don't know off the bat what i'm looking at and that also scares me so a lot so a lot of the aspects of this that that are terrifying are the unknowing yeah parts of it i don't know if i'm allergic because i've never been stung before no there's even even more so there's maybe a a risk that it could be more than one damage right you could use that you could say like you roll a medicine check you don't know if you're allergic if you're allergic like have a have an npc get stung and actually be allergic and they break out into boils or something like it's it's way worse if you're allergic but you don't know mm-hmm. so i i think the obviously you don't want to reveal that it's just a one or two points of damage creature 
Right. Um, what you want to lean into is the unknowing part of it. Um, because if you know you're going somewhere and you're going to get a shot or whatever, you can lean into it and you can be like, well, you know, it'll hurt a little bit or, or whatever, but no big deal. Part of what makes a wasp so scary is that it's unknown. And that you, you not only do you not know how much it's going to hurt, or whether or not maybe you're allergic and, and your reaction might be much more severe. But you also don't know quite where it is. Yeah. And you don't know if they have some sort of vengeance on the brain and are going to keep stinging you. Yeah. Because that happened to Macaulay Culkin in My Girl. Uh-huh. Um, and there could be more than one. There could be many wasps. You, you know, you hear a buzzing sound and and, and you think, oh, oh my God, where where is it? I, I hear it, but where is it? Oh, no. Guinea bees. And then I see it, and then I go, oh, I see it, but is there another one? Guinea bee. It's from South Park. Oh, yeah. Okay. Guinea pirate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I would I would lean into the description, and I would make it clear. I, I would not, per- personally, if I was going to design a wasp and I wanted this to be scary, I would make it clear to the players that this thing is dangerous. Um, I don't think there's any particularly good reason to say that it only hits for one, one or two damage. I would say that like this thing is, is pretty dangerous and you don't want to get stung by it. Um, and, and make that scary. It, and that, that I might do in the sense of saying like everybody roll a nature check. Um, this is a dangerous, small little creature. Like, like you are, you are not just getting a paper cut here. You are, uh, in real danger of this of this creature that is chasing after you and you can add to it you can say like if this wasp gets away it's going to come back with more wasps it's Mm -hmm. going to go tell its buddies that you know hey there's some jerks in the woods go get them and tell its buddies and they're all going to come after you um i also think that you can you can hint to the idea that there are many more coming right this is the scout wasp so you're like swatting at this wasp as it's as it's chasing you, and then you can hear, like around the corner behind you, is way more buzzing. Yeah, especially if like you um, accidentally knock down their nest or something, or make them pissed. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Now, now you have a now you have a problem on your hands. So I actually just recently ran a, a campaign with a giant swarm. Um, it wasn't a swarm of wasps. I actually created a, a custom creature that I called a vampire ray that was not too dissimilar from like a... Um, was it a manta ray, but that swam yeah, in the air? But that swam in the air. That's amazing. And was and had like a vampire... Like uh, like teeth coming off the front? Uh, no, like uh, like like jaws with, with massive teeth. Um, it was a vampire because it could actually... Um, infest into your brain and take control of you oh gross um, uh so that's why i called them vampire was it white rays. or black uh they were actually red like a dark red oh. uh with a white uh bottom i don't know why but in my under, head underbelly white or black were, were the only two choices <laughs> <laughs> um so i had a swarm of them uh and they were coming out of trees and so they were running through a forest and every tree they ran by was another like flock of these vampire rays and then they basically it was it was a chase so they had to run away from these vampire rays and they they could like shoot at them and stuff like that but you know you're only hitting a couple and every one that you killed a bunch of other vampire rays would basically consume the injured one and everything was done in description it was all about um really setting the tone of this whole thing and i did the same thing where i took out a creature that they had already fought had it show up 
to demonstrate the fact that the vampire rays would infect it. So one of the vampire rays uh, attacked that creature and then and then took it over. And then they had to fight that thing that was now this sort of infected uh, creature <laughs> being controlled by the vampire rays, which is, again, transitive property. You've already fought one of those. You know how powerful that is. Now it's a stronger... Yeah. A stronger one. That just makes me think of that Futurama episode where he's a brain slug. <laughs> and, like, Fry accidentally knocks the brain slug off of Hermes. And, and uh, oh, hey, Hermes, you forgot your hat. No, no, don't. And then Hermes gets the brain slug back on his head and says, thank you. It was cold down there on the floor. <laughs> one of my favorite moments, actually, it's from Futurama. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. So, anyway, the... Uh, that that kind of thing can be a lot of fun to run. Uh, you do like a big swarm or something like that. Like it's so much fun. Somebody used Wall of Fire, which was super effective oh, against it's it. It's super effective. Yeah. Um, and then I had the swarm. You know, the swarm was limitless, so you had to get you had to get away from it. You could not kill this swarm. So a lot of them got killed in this Wall of Fire, and then the wall of vampire rays started going around the Wall of Fire. Oh yeah. To... Which is also another thing in movies where you're like, just go around. Yeah. I don't understand why. And, and you want to think about like like a, a haboob, which is like a big sandstorm. <laughs> um, or <laughs> that's what they're called. That's what it's called. I'm sorry. I'm like um, five. Uh, or seven. That is my favorite name for a weather event is a haboob. <laughs> Who came up with that? Why? Yeah, Why? Right. I it, assume it's another language. It probably does not have the same meaning. In I, yes, <laughs> probably not. I, you know, it, that's it's it's hilarious. It was the eye of the haboob called the nipple. I'm just saying. But but you can think about that kind of thing, like like this, you know, wall of of small stuff that looks like a big wall of things when it's yeah. large. Um, right, well, I think we beat this. Today. Yeah, I think we're, we're <laughs> twenty-two minutes in. We should uh, <laughs> we should move talk, on. Let's talk about let's talk about bees. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we tackled wasps, but what about um, murder hornets? What about locusts? Oh, locusts! Oh, that's All a good right. one too. That's... Moving on. Um, <laughs> so our next question comes from DMKD20. Okay. Katie. KD. KD. No, no, just the letters K and the letter D. No. But a DM in front of it. Oh. DM KD20. Maybe it is supposed to be Katie. And it this could is just be. An interesting way I don't know. Maybe it's our friend Katie. Katie. Maybe it's our friend Katie. Everybody named Katie. Hi, Katie. What's up? <laughs> Haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah. So good to hear from you in a question on our, on our podcast. <laughs> Weirdly. Oh, man. Okay. Um, DM Katie 20 says My players will be arriving at a birthday celebration of a local lord. It is a chance to do some role-playing, seed some plot hooks, and get the players involved in the local politics. Mm. There will also be a birthday gift that is given by one of the enemies of the Lord that precipitates a combat, but I'm coming up against a major creative wall thinking of what it will be and would love some help with suggestions. So there's a so I get the party. The local Lord is having a birthday. Okay. One of his or her... I guess Lord is usually him, huh? Usually, but... Versus a lady. Um, So one of his enemies is going to send a gift, and that is going to spark uh, combat. You know, okay. So it's like... It's like Sleeping Beauty. Okay. And um, the uh, Maleficent shows up to give a gift, and the gift is actually a curse, and everyone's like, oh, no, and it's going to start a fight. Okay. So... Uh, like cake full of goblins or something. <laughs> is that is that what we're talking about here? 
<laughs> it's a. I just like. I just I'm like just the sorry. idea of like. There's like, a big cake that you wheel in. The Lord, then... they show up with a big cake. <laughs> and then, like, you know, and all the goblins inside are waiting for the signal, but the one pops out like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sings happy birthday. And sings happy birthday. And they're like, oh, this is actually okay. <laughs> this is very unnerving, wow, but I guess is, so. You know, I'm into it. And yeah. then they go, oh, it was a trap. Yeah. And then they serve the pie full of, full of cobalts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, cake, it should be full of goblins. It should be kenku. Kenku. Well, because you know, twenty blackbirds baked into oh, a pie. Baked into a pie. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> no, I think it should totally be a pie full of kenku now. Yes, assassin like, kenku. Assassin kenku. Yeah. No. Um. Let's talk about what. I like all these dessert dessert monster ideas. Maybe you're just hungry. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Did that you get I enough want... dinner? Yeah, it's an ice cream sundae <laughs> full full of gelatinous cubes. Oh God. <laughs> Oh my, that's a giant sundae. Yeah. Maybe it's like a giant, like a uh, cup of Coke and the gelatinous cubes are the ice cubes. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's a big jello. It's a big oh, jello Oh, there you mold. go. Yeah. Duh. But it's actually a gelatinous cube. It's a gelatinous jello mold. Yeah. That wiggles. Yeah. Actually, it makes me think of the shrimp from Beetlejuice. The, like shrimp in a bowl that turn into a hand and then attack you. Oh. Do you remember that from Beetlejuice? I blocked that out of my memory because oh, I was during, too scared. It's during the uh, the Deo song, the oh, yeah. banana boat song. Uh, and then like this hand comes up and grabs everybody's face. And Gross. Yeah, um, weird. It's, it was really weird. In the but movie. to really answer this question for realsies. <laughs> I like all these. What are you talking about? I like, I like all these answers. I think Katie is going to be mad at us. Oh, okay. sorry. For Katie. realsies, what would a gift be that would, that would precipitate a combat? So it could be like um, something that points out flaws of the lorddom. It's not a king, so it's not a kingdom. It's a lord. It's a lorddom. Um, like maybe there's been some crop failures, and so they bring in a huge bounty from another town, and say, "I brought you this because you're not providing for your subjects." That's that's an interesting idea. I'm trying to decide whether or not this precipitates in a combat because they're like starting a war, or this precipitates in a combat like they're at the party. Like, I was this, thinking it was there at the party. Th- that was what I was assuming too, which is why actually the idea of like, you know, enemy emerges from dessert is actually not It's not terrible. It's not terrible. If you assume that the it's precipitates just... a combat is like someone's trying to kill someone else. Yeah, so my thought on that is that it's really direct. Goblins coming out of a cake is a very mm-hmm. I'm the enemy, mm-hmm. you're the lord. Thanks for inviting me. Here's your present. I'm starting this directly. But, but, but your but, thought is maybe you play the political game and yes. somebody insults someone so hard that they try to, that the, the person who's insulted tries to kill the other yeah. person. Well, the fact that they used the word precipitates, it just seemed very much like mm. this is the inklings. This is like a, the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. Something that like, that's it. You've insulted me for the last time. I tried. I reached out to you by giving you an invite to my birthday. Um, Mostly to see what you would give me, and you insulted me, mm-hmm. and so now I'm like this might not even be that bad of an enemy. It seems like the kind of thing when I imagine like a a lordship kind of dinner, it seems like that kind of thing would result in like a duel hmm. rather than like a you know brawl at dinner, <laughs> um, like everybody pulling weapons and trying to attack each other at this fancy dinner party. Um, I just have a hard time reconciling, like, 
somebody is just stuck up and mean to someone else with words, and that results in an attack. Although, you know, I, I do think you're on you're on the right track. I mean, I mean, depending on how you portray the people. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my mind, if I was imagining like a pirate birthday party, uh, then absolutely it would result. You know, you know, so, somebody like uh, uh, serves food too cold, and it results in, in everybody attacking each other. So some of it is my own imagination of the setting. Yeah, uh, and in and that case, involved, a cake right? full of goblins might actually be looked on as a happy gift because that might it be means a pretty, pretty fun thing. Yeah, <laughs> pirate, pirate birthday party. I get to kill all these goblins. Yeah, the the setting really changes it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's my my own imagination. If you can portray individuals who behave in such a way that they can have a fancy dinner party but also they are the kind of people that are happy to go to arms to defend their honor um like right there in front of other people then i think that that makes a lot of sense then you could have something where you where somebody you know brings forth such an insult yeah Ooh, you they bring proof that the lord's lady was unfaithful Ooh. Moreover, they bring proof that the Lord is not the rightful king. Oh, yeah. The rightful Lord, Lord or whatever. We should just um, pretend this is a king. It makes it way easier. It's easier to escalate it. Um, but but even a Lord, you could say, you know, I, I have brought proof, proof that this guy over here is actually the rightful Lord Ooh. and not the one. He, he's here at the party. That's very... And um, ready to take his, his lordship by force. That's very Black Panther. It is. A, it is very black. Yeah, like that. And that might be the. Kind we're of contesting thing. the lineage. Yeah. Um, he's the rightful heir. You're a sham, and uh, defend your honor. And then, it, you know, you could have a duel start and make it an official duel, and then someone breaks the line, mm-hmm. and suddenly it becomes an all-out battle. Sure. And you yeah. now, as the party, have to get the lord to safety. But now you don't know who the real lord is. Yeah, that could be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually did a, a kind of a similar thing that was a little like, um, maybe a little like uh, sort of knives out. Uh, sort of the idea of, of everybody turning against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, where we had, um, it was demonstrated that the food was poisoned. Yeah. And it was at a dinner party with a lot of people who were kind of enemies with each other anyway. Like, they were all there to, to, like, be peaceful or whatever. But as soon as somebody found out, like, oh, the food is poisoned. And then everybody basically starts pointing fingers at each other. Like, you're trying to kill me or you're trying to kill that guy or, or whatever. And and that then precipitated into, a, like, a like a brawl. Um, because it was basically every everybody is like, yeah, we, we all were under the expectation we were all coming here under peace. Um, and then it, it turned out, of course, that it was none of the people at the table that, that poisoned the food. It was somebody outside of the party who was trying mm. to get them to fight each other. Yeah, I um, like that. And, and that might be kind of an interesting thing to do here. Like, you could do it with poisoned food, but you could also do it with some other dangerous thing designed to kill somebody. But um, seemingly indiscriminately. Uh, where, like... You know, it could have been anybody sitting at that particular spot at the at the table when that cannon went off or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which then like really raises the question of like who exactly was was someone else trying to kill, um, and that kind of raises really interesting, a really interesting question. 
can I ask can I ask a kind of a follow up to you as a game master? Okay. How do you like to put together when you when you have your players attend a fancy dinner party? How do you role play the many NPCs at a fancy dinner party? I have never had my players go to a fancy dinner party because that. I don't want to have to role play all the fancy NPCs. It is it is like always always a ch- tough challenge, right? I I don't like there to be at any given time more NPCs than players. I it think, is so tough. I think that's too much. I I don't want there to be moments that it seems like they go on forever where two NPCs are talking to each other oh, yeah, and not involving any of the actual player characters. And because no one's actually involved, no one's paying attention. And since no one's paying attention, they're missing key plot points because you're not, you know, in, involving a player character. And I, I, I can't do it. I also have a really hard time keeping track of that many NPCs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose if I were to have my players at a fancy dinner party... I would I would maybe have one or two guests that weren't them at that particular table. I might describe a um, Hogwarts cafeteria style. There's big, lots of big tables. The one you're at has this this amount of people, mm-hmm. and there's butlers and servants c- flitting through throughout. And there's a maitre d who. Um, is like, okay, everyone get up. We're going to do dinner now, changeover, things like that. But I might only have one or two people at the table that are not actually in the party. Yeah. And that way it's easier to keep track of. There's never a time where all of the NPCs are talking and no one, none of the players are talking. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You can think about this, you know, once again, I'm, I'm always... Uh, in, I love thinking about my D&D games as a movie or as a TV show. But you can think about this like like a party scene in a movie where there's tons of people in the background who you never talk to, who you never interact with in any kind of significant way. You know, it's a party and therefore there's lots of people, but like literally the only people who ever have any speaking roles, any speaking lines are the, the good guys and the bad guy who's at the party. And like one other person who like introduces everybody, you know, mm-hmm. who, who shouts like this is the blankety blank of of Earl or whatever. Like, like um, those are the only speaking lines literally in this entire party. And otherwise it just murmurs in the background or whatever. That reminds me of that movie, Not Another Teen Movie, where the guy's like, my only job is to stand here and go, oh, dang, that's whack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the like token the, character. Yes, the yeah. token character. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and when you're thinking about a party, I, I kind of do the same thing. Usually when I'm prepping for, like, my players are going to attend a fancy dinner party, what I do is I prep, like, two actual NPCs. And, and by prep, in this case, I mean I come up with a vague idea of what I, what I want them to sound like, you know, what kind of voice I want to give them, uh, a vague idea for sort of how they might dress or what they might look like. Yeah. And then that's basically it. Yeah, we've got um, uh, Lady Snooty Britches and Lord Fancy Pants. Yeah. And they're delighted to make your acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then, and then I might, you know, uh, I might make that Lady Snooty Britches and I might make Lord Fancy Pants just a little different to give a variety of yeah of stuff and at the party. When your players say, well, I want to talk to somebody else, and that's when you roll on a table or come <laughs> yeah, up with something out of your I, butt. or Yeah, seat of my pants. Yeah, randomly come up with another one of the NPC. resources in the on the website um, is a link to a place that has a bunch of different like um, 
like the D100 tables and one of them is for NPCs and you can just roll on the D100 table and find out a character and it, it really helps. Um, there's there's also, um, I, there's a ton of, of stuff we could talk about around voice acting and about creating characters around voice acting. Maybe we'll do an entire episode specifically around creating voices for NPCs. But um, without getting too far into that, one actually just very handy technique for that is to make a short list of the voices that you're comfortable doing at any one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have, you know, just a, a short list that could be five voices or six voices that are like, oh, I can, I could jump into any one of these voices just like that, just with no, with no big deal. And that can be just a quick list of, you know, every NPC that can be at this party. This is the six people at the party are my Boston accent, my terrible British accent, my terrible Scottish accent, and my, and my awful, um, Southern accent. And those are all my voices. Yeah, it's funny. You would write a list of voices that you can do. I would write a list of cartoon characters that I can emulate. Oh yeah, the... I would be like, okay, this is Fluttershy from My Little Pony. But that and is this is Courage the Cowardly Dog, this, and this is this is just this is just the it's the big V voice, not the actual voice. I guess so. It, it's just the word you're using to define the voice. Yeah, it's you know when you write a story and they say, what's the voice of your character? Right, right. It's the it's the stylization. Um, but like when I'm doing my terrible British accent, it is stuck up. It's stuck up butler. It's, it's really like the Is it the stuck terrible. up butler or is it um, chimney sweep cockney? Oh, no, it's not chimney sweep cockney. It's I'm just definitely saying, stuck there's, up butler. There's, there's I, can never do, I can never do terrible chimney sweep cockney. What? You just, uh, Bert from, from I know. Uh, it's, Mary it's, Poppins. It's chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chimney. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hello, pulpit. <laughs> terrible. Top, <laughs> top of the morning to ya. So bad. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I always, I always do the the stuck up, uh, stuck up butler is always my, um, yes, of course, uh, um, this way, sir, like that, that kind of, that kind of character is always my, my stuck up butler, well, ends I, up being my British. Character. I don't know about all that. Yeah, it's your southern character. That's about <laughs> all I can do, you guys. Yeah. That was it. All my, all my southern characters are either based on like Texan guy with a big hat or the character from Borderlands uh, oh. <laughs> Catch a Ride um, Scooter Scooter uh, Catch a Ride Catch a Ride <laughs> Is it weird I know when you pick stuff up? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Shoot Those are all my southern characters That's good <laughs> um, Yeah Every accent I try to do always ends up going into that like bastardized Russian <laughs> yeah. accent Oh that yeah I, Bas- that, Bastardized that's Russian like, That's the That's the other that's yeah, like right. the only accent I end up with, yeah. no matter what. I start with whatever, and it always it always ends up going into this. Yeah. It's we sh- terrible. We should totally do an episode just talking about voices and accents. I don't know if anyone will listen. No, we should do it, we should do it with Davis. Oh, Because he's so good at for this. For sure. And, and like, that would be the perfect episode to do with Adam Davis. Okay, Adam, if you're listening, we're, <laughs> we're tapping you in. Yeah, there you go. Tap, tap. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll make it a special episode. We'll be It'll be outside the regular schedule. Um, Dungeon Master Katie 20. Yeah, if we ever had Patreon, we could have a Patreon episode. 
Oh, I guess we that's don't true. have a Patreon. I was just thinking we'd just release it. Yeah, so we'll just release it because you know who's got the time. Who's got the time? Who's got the time? Yeah. Um, DM Katie twenty. Um, sorry, we didn't really answer your question. Uh, we gave did you we? lots of different scenarios for if this we, is actually a kingdom. We did for for starting a fight. And or something you know, like goblins coming out of a cake. I think. I think that's my favorite. That's one. Probably it was the, the first best suggestion. One. I think it was my favorite suggestion. It's probably the best one. I mean, I know I get the suggestions. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should go to break. <laughs> We're back. We're back. How was your break? It was great. What'd you do? I met a new friend. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Um, this is uh, Binlo over here. Binlo, say hi. Hello. <laughs> I am Binlo. <laughs> that's not what Binlo sounds yes. like. Yes. I am Binlo. No, do your Binlo voice. This is Binlo. No. This is Binlo voice. Binlo is greatest podcaster of all time. Oh my gosh. No, he's, you have another voice for Binlo. No, that was the voice I always do for Binlo. What's what's your gnome voice? That's not Binlo. That's Bearden. Oh, sorry. You name everybody with a B. I do. <laughs> you know, you know what? I don't name all. Okay, people, <laughs> people, listen, with a B. listen. Anytime Adam has a good character name, it was me. I came up with it. That's not always true. Yes, it's always true. <laughs> That's. Okay, maybe it's maybe that's true. Always, maybe that's always true. true. I'm true. trying to think of a character name that I came up with which was, was any nope. good at all. Uh, I cannot think of one. I didn't even come up with Binlo actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I cannot think of a character that has a decent name that I've ever come up with. I love you. Yeah. Okay. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. I was gonna say I baked a cake, but I really didn't. It's it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> the cake, you mean? Yes. The, the cake is all lies. All lies. <laughs> That's how I'm going to phrase so, that for so copyright close. issues. For copyright purposes. <laughs> for the pie is untrue. <laughs> <laughs> this is deceitful pastry. <laughs> <laughs> this is deceitful. <laughs> okay. That's pretty great. It's late, you guys. We're, we're, we're losing it. Um, this is Ask a GM. <laughs> From I'm Still a Rookie. Pastry of Deceit. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Yeah. Pastry of Deceit. That's pretty good. Okay, I'm doing it. Um, I'm, I'm adding it to our repertoire of t-shirts we'll someday make. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm Still a Rookie says cutting words before or after damage roll. Hmm. Cutting words can reduce the damage roll, but are they allowed to use it after knowing the damage total? I know Dungeon Master is meant to disclose the attack roll without modifiers. Okay, so they they have this little scenario here. Okay. Here's it, it may be worth saying what cutting words is, but let's go through the scenario. Let's go through the scenario. Dungeon Master says, um, The goblin fires an arrow at Bard, rolls attack dice 15 to hit. The Bard then chooses to not use cutting words for the attack roll. DM, it pierces your shoulder and you take 6 piercing damage. Bard, I use cutting words to reduce the damage. Is this allowed, or can they only use it after the Dungeon Master rolls the damage dice, but not announce the damage amount? How does a Dungeon Master narrate out the role play and reasoning here? Okay, so I'm looking at the rules and specific wording for cutting words. 
if, because sometimes that is important. Here. I was going to say, is this a here? Google this for me. Hey, Google this for me. No, no, no. Uh, so cutting words is a bard specific ability that allows you to use your bardic inspiration dice to then reduce the um, an aspect of of the bad guys thing. So I'm going to read what the text actually says. Um, at third level, you know how to use your wit to distract, confuse, and otherwise sap the confidence and competence of others. When a creature that you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a damage roll, you can use a reaction to expend one of your uses of bardic inspiration, rolling a bardic inspiration die, and subtracting the number you rolled from the creature's roll. You can choose to use this feature before, uh, feature after the creature makes its roll, but before the GM determines whether the attack roll or ability check succeeds or fails or before the creature deals its damage the creature is immune if it cannot hear you um or or if it's immune to being charmed now the question here is actually asking about the damage portion and i actually don't think bardic uh, cutting words can do that i don't think it can actually reduce damage i think it only reduces the attack roll so you're saying in this scenario the goblin fires an arrow at the bard and and before they say if it hits or not, the bard would have to say, I'm going to use cutting words. Yes, because the cutting words doesn't actually reduce the damage. It just reduces the attack roll. Okay, so DM says the goblin fires an arrow and the bard goes, hold on, I'm going to do cutting words. Yes. Now, they're the same argument, so what this person's asking about uh, even though they're they're asking about damage rolls, the same argument could be applied to the attack rolls, um, which is, should the cutting words be before or after we see whether or not the attack would hit, right? Um, or or what kind of damage the attack would do. This this feels like when you're playing Uno and you see someone has their last card and you're and you have to like say it really quickly, like wait, hold on, I was Uno, ha. Cutting words. So the actual rules say that uh, you have to use your reaction um, and you can choose to use the feature after the creature makes its roll, but before the GM determines whether the attack roll or ability check succeeds or fails um, and before the creature deals its damage. I think this is the dumbest rule because it means that literally the time period in which you can use your cutting words is the game master rolls and then goes, Oh, he, and then you have to say it right there. <laughs> yeah, or you have to, like, listen for the dice to roll. Or you have to, like, like wait until the Game Master says, like, he makes an attack on you, and that's when you have to choose to use cutting words. But it could be a waste. It could it could totally be, like, um, it's it's not that big a roll. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting words is, is, it's not like I'm subtracting uh, 10 or 20 from your roll or anything like that. Um, I cannot guarantee your roll is going to miss. Um, you know, I, I might be subtracting only one or two points from the roll. So, like, um, if I'm making the determination after a game master rolls, but before they dis- describe whether or not it hits, it means that I'm, like, I'm just throwing away my, my bardic inspiration on a whim and maybe worthlessly. So what you're saying is you would homebrew it and say... You get to use your cutting words once you find out that it hits. Yes. You don't, but before damage is determined. Um, I would totally say that. Okay. I, I agree with that. That's I how would I would also, do it too. in cinematic moments, let somebody use their cutting words retroactively. 
to oh, cause yeah. something like not to hit. Describe what you said to him. Yeah. To uh, make his attack miss. Or, or you know, this is a crucial moment or something like that. And you go, oh, I wanted to use my cutting words. I should have used my cutting words there. And I might go like, all right, let's let's roll it back a couple of seconds and say you did use your cutting words. I'll give you a chance to to see whether or not the dice favor you, to see whether or not the dice work in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, I might allow for that too. But on a regular basis, I would say, yes, of course you get to see whether or not the attack hits. And I would go one step further, which is to say, if somebody's about to use their cutting words, I would say, don't bother. Because they're, you could roll the maximum roll on your cutting words and this attack would still hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, by, by a similar rule, I don't want you to waste your cutting words. This guy rolled, you know, a 19 against your 12 armor class, and he's got a plus 5 to hit. Like, there is no roll on your D8 that could possibly cause him to miss this attack. And therefore, I don't want you to waste your cutting words on, on this thing. Um, my job as a game master is sometimes to, like, let a player feel epic, and... I used my reaction to give you a cutting words to zero effect, and it was impossible for it to have ever been successful in the first place. It's not particularly interesting or fun for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not trying to like, especially in the in. It's not like bardic inspiration is so crazy powerful that I'm trying to like burn down your resources on it. You know, if this was spell slots, I might say like, oh, okay, I'm trying to wear you down a little bit so that the fights are a little harder and more interesting. But bardic inspiration is like. It's just not, it's not that uh, overpowered. Right. You know, it's small bonuses to to different people or small minuses to the bad guy. So I don't, I don't really want you to like use it up as a resource burning through situations where it would, would have been ineffective in the first place. So the answer that I would give is by the rules, yeah, you have to, you have to determine the success of the you have to determine the use of the bardic inspiration and roll for the bardic inspiration cutting words not bardic inspiration thank you you keep saying it um by the rules you have to determine the success of the cutting words before you know whether or not the attack actually hit i don't think that's nearly as interesting and i think you as a game master have the opportunity to make it more fun for the person who's who's being a bard in this situation definitely i agree um okay i'm still a rookie after this maybe you're not such a rookie oh Maybe not. Just keep listening. Yeah, there you go. Use our use our goblin cake idea. Then then you're no you're not a rookie anymore. No, that's that's a high level. That's that's a that's a that's an advanced move. That's an advanced. That's a maneuver. That's an advanced. That's an advanced GM maneuver right there. Goblin cake. Um. Hey. How about we use that spell? Use that spell. I picked a spell. And the spell is called Blade Barrier. Is the bees theme going on in this thing? Did I fall into the bees theme by having bee named characters? You know, it was complete coincidence. Yeah. Um, but yes, now yeah. yes. I remembered another bee named character. Yeah. Blimble Bum Blimble Smith. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of for your gnome voice. Oh, yeah. Because you said Binlo and then did the Russian accent. And I was like, that's not who I thought of. Oh, no. It was Blimble. But, you know, their names are very similar. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Blade Barrier and Evocation, level six, casting time, one action, range, 90 feet, components, V and S, duration, concentration, up to 10 minutes. And here is the description. 
You create a vertical wall of whirling razor-sharp blades made of magical energy. The wall appears within range and lasts for the duration. You can make a straight wall up to 100 feet long, 20 feet high, and 5 feet thick, or a ringed wall up to 60 feet in diameter, 20 feet high, and 5 feet thick. The wall provides three-quarters cover to creatures behind it, and its space is difficult terrain. I would say so. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> that is some... If you're going to define some difficult terrain... It's a wall of wall blades. Wall of blades. That's yeah. pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah, high on my list. Um, when a creature enters the wall's area for the first time on a turn or starts its, its turn there... The creature must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes 6d10 slashing damage. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage. And this is on page 218 of the player's handbook. Holy cow. That is very sharp. Can I can I just say, sometimes I feel like it's very arbitrary whether or not a spell has a material component. Why does this spell, literally a wall made of blades not have a material component of a knife. Because it's a wall of razor sharp blades made of magical energy. All oh, the blades right. are magical As energy. As opposed to all those other spells <laughs> <laughs> that, that have material components that are clearly physical things and not made of magical energy. Not every spell can have a material. They had to they had to take it off. Yeah, but if it does seem kinda does it not seem kinda arbitrary to you? Yeah. Like of all the, of of all the spells that have material components. I mean, the one that is a wall of blades doesn't have a material component. The fact that, that you can make a straight wall up to 100 feet long or um, a ringed wall up to 60 feet in diameter that's also 20 feet high and 5 feet thick. And I'm like, what? what really? Like, I love all the definitions of the walls that we have to like really define. <laughs> height, width. The height and width. Thickness, and length of this wall, and that it's three quarters cover, which I would think would be full cover, but I—that's why they have to define it. That's all and the it's difficult terrain. All the whirling blades. Yeah, it's difficult terrain, and I'm thinking, why are you even able to go through there? You would be sliced to smithereens. Yeah, right. Like you would come out. I mean, there's Julianne. a There's a firewall, and you go through that one. Yeah, you but know, that fire. one, I imagine, you would be burned a little. This one, I imagine, you would be slices of potato. You would be, you would be chunky Maybe you have hash one of those browns. Mandolin gloves. <laughs> okay, if you're wearing um, uh, chainmail, chain you can mail, get through, you can through as long as you fold your hands. I love the idea of a bunch of spells <laughs> that are like super, super specific to the situation. This spell does no damage if you happen to be wearing chainmail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pretty hilarious okay so <laughs> blade barrier um i will say i i really like the wall spells um i like them for for more reasons than just the the sort of hilariousness of them um i really like them because they actually create this really interesting set of strategy um and they there are some really interesting ways to use them to like suddenly change the terrain of the the map that you're fighting on uh and make bad guys have to make different decisions so I have a question. Yeah. I am trying to um Julian Potatoes. Dig a moat around my castle. <laughs> Can I use blade I was not barrier? That far. <laughs> <laughs> Can I use blade barrier to dig a trench in the ground with these razor sharp blades? Look, this is not shovel barrier. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think you totally could. Right. <laughs> I think so too. Like I you think know. At, the, at the very least, you would like really churn up the the dirt there, you know, and you, you'd really like get it get it uh, softened. Be much easier to dig up. So okay, here's another uh, question. Um, say you're fighting a gelatinous cube, and I want to make a blade barrier to come between us. Would I be creating lots of little gelatinous cubes? Would they suck up all of that arm, all of those blades? So how does that work? Um. So actually, this gets into a couple of different questions. So the first one is, no, there, there is a limit to how many, how small you make a gelatinous cube before it is no longer a gelatinous cube. Okay. So um, a good way to think about it is like, you know, if I slice it into a million pieces, I don't have a million, like, germ-sized gelatinous cubes running it's, around. It's not that, that classic people. question, would you rather rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses no there's there's definitely a limit where um it just turns into you know dissolving slime that is that is no longer alive and cannot move uh, at some level of of uh division oh no it's my gelatinous ice cube tray right and you pop them all out pop 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 Go, go. That actually sounds hilarious. I know. You should do it. <laughs> yeah. A swarm of tiny gelatinous cubes. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would say there's there's probably a point at which it's no longer a gelatinous cube. And now you you have defeated it. But would this be um, an okay strategy? Um, so that gets into the, the second part of this, which is how do you deal with when you have a wall spell or an area spell that does ongoing damage? How do you deal with a large sized creature? Which is just always an interesting question. So I have um, a, a big wall of fire, a wall of well, where I have I have blade barrier. Yes, talk about the spell at um, hand. Sure, <laughs> uh, I have blade barrier, and it is. Um, You're doing it in a ring. I'm assuming around your party. I guess so. So I was actually going to do. Um, uh, uh, imagine a blade barrier, but I'm instead of a straight wall, I make a big area, um, and then I have a, a giant walk through it shouldn't the giant take more damage because it exists in a larger area of the spell than somebody who is smaller yeah i would think so too like this encompasses the giant's entire foot Mm -hmm. so instead of just getting hit once it's getting hit a bunch of times all the way around right so a normal size person runs through it and they get hit for the small amount of area that they take up somebody much much bigger runs through it they get hit for a larger area. Yeah, it, they're, right? they're doing the full 100 feet long, 20 feet high, 5 feet thick. Now, by the rules, they don't. Um, they, it just does the same damage no matter how big you are. Um, so the gelatinous cube would just take the same one set of damage that anybody else would take. Um, however, I appreciate my players with using creative solutions. But I also need to limit to sometimes the the effectiveness of something to a reasonable value um so you use this spell and a um a tarasque runs through your wall um the whole way it doesn't take um 10 iterations of the spell as it runs through the wall of blades because it's so gigantic uh and it's running through the entire thing the whole way um, usually what I'll do in those cases is I'll say, oh, yeah, you can roll for double damage or something like that. 
um, to give you an effectiveness to make you feel appreciated for being clever and using a clever use of the spell. But I'm creating sort of an arbitrary ruling on the fact that it's going to do an amount more damage than normal, but still a reasonable amount of damage um, so that you're not suddenly doing the entire hit points of the creature's damage all in one blow. Or I would let you just kill it. Mm-hmm. And then in that case, I wouldn't have you roll damage. I would I would just let you... Um, I would just say, yep, this is so effective that you, you definitely destroy this creature. Go ahead and describe it for me. Um, so not, I, not the Tarasque, though. I mean, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm going to let you roll 10 times, I'm going to let you roll 60 d10 damage. Uh, yeah, I guess you might still might not kill the Tarasque. With that. <laughs> <laughs> so I might just let you roll in that case. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, I, I I would probably double the damage if you had the gelatinous cube going through the wall of blades. I'd probably say, yeah, go ahead and roll me double the normal damage. Here's a question. This is for creatures. Does this hit plants? Would this, like, eat all the plants around it? Well, I mean, this gets into the thing that you said. Where yeah, you could to I dig, dig it into the ground? Um, in general, I mostly assume that any spell that hits creatures can usually hit stuff, too. Um, that's not always true. I mean, you know, your psychic spell that hits creatures right. <laughs> probably can't hit, you know, plants. Um, also the, the, um, there are a few spells that are really, really specific to hitting, hitting creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, most of the time, yeah, I'll let it, I'll let it hit stuff too. If it's going to physically affect something else, um, I generally assume it's, it's physically affects everything that. It goes through it. You come across a town that's having a food festival. You want to create the ultimate charcuterie board. You create the wall, the blade barrier, and have the local villagers start hucking um, whole things of sausage and cheese at your blade barrier to perfectly slice my cheese and sausage. You're the you're the town savior. Yes, it works yes. amazingly. I want to create a new game. It's called Fruit Slicer, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a real ninja. I, mean, I, I think use this spell. You're you're the best at the game. <laughs> um, just watch out for bombs. If I do it in a ring, okay. So, I guess I assumed that the ringed wall spins. And now that I'm reading it again, oh, it does say whirling razor sharp eights. So they're I think they the whirling. blades themselves whirl. I don't oh. think the wall whirls. Oh yeah, I thought the whole thing. I think they're like they're like blades that it's it's like a little pinwheels. Yeah, you know how like uh, you, you like blow into like a little pinwheel. Oh man, that's think, the perfect way I to describe it. I think it's like that, but it's you know, it blades. should be the wall of pinwheel blades. <laughs> I wanna, they're I wanna, sharpened. I want to. I want. I want pinwheel barrier, which is just real pretty. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's not very effective. It reflects do any damage, the light. It's like it's a kaleidoscope. Everyone is happy. And you know what? You can actually take a pinwheel home. Go for yeah. it. Everybody. Everyone grab yeah. grab one. It'll take disappear it in an hour. So yeah. don't worry. Don't worry, parents. Wall they can have pin- as many as they want. Yeah. Pinwheel barrier. <laughs> if I were to t- try to take a blade from the blade wall, would it disappear? Or would it last for the duration? I think probably the blades are not removable from the blade wall. Hmm. Kind of like gears, like once you remove one. No, I would assume that you actually can't grab them. Um, the same way you like can't really grab 
you know, the, the little pinpoint of energy that the fireball does. I can't catch it out of midair and stop it from going anywhere. Not <laughs> with that it, attitude. Throw you it at someone else. Um, you know, the same way that you can't uh, um, uh, catch a magic missile or whatever and, and like, do something else with it. Um, if I take the magic missile um, damage specifically on my hand, can I say I caught it? You can say that yeah. in the same way that you like catch like a snowflake and then you open your hand. There's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Done. I'm the, the, I'm the best. Yeah. I'm the so best if you want to reach into the blade barrier <laughs> and try to catch one, and you can say you caught it, but you know, it's not there anymore. <laughs> can my blade barrier be made of different kinds of blades? Are they all the same blade? Can they be scimitars? Are they short swords? I think you can describe it. I think I'm okay with like. Are they crafting scissors? They're just exacto knives. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you wasted another perfectly good chunk of time listening to us. Well, I I hope you didn't waste it. I personally, when I listen to podcasts, I do things like I do podcasts and wash dishes or I podcast and (laughs) travel in traffic. (laughs) It's not wasted. Yes, it was a garbage podcast for you to listen to, but it's not wasted because you were doing dishes the whole time. You got something done. You got something. No, done. I I measure I measure a lot of my tasks. Like I I listen to nineties court and I w- I read to the entire kitchen listening to nineties court. Yeah, and it was like having my friend Andy and Lisa there. It was great. Sure, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's great. I personally hope that some you out there uh, who are you made your commute, you're doing your you... taxes, <laughs> yes. you're mopping the floor, yeah. you're doing laundry or ignoring your laundry like me. Yeah. With us, your best we're friends, we're there. We're there doing your laundry with you. Yeah. Ignoring your laundry with you. Adam and Alyssa, we're here for you. Adam and Alyssa, we're but, here for you. You came up with that on the spot, but you still haven't come up with Search the Room. No, Search the Room is really tough. <laughs> it's a really tough, really tough song. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to us, your best friends, Adam and Melissa. We're here for you. Um, you can uh, submit your question on nextsessionpodcast.com. And you can also check out our new resources tab, which I really hope I do keep up because right now there's four things. And... <laughs> <laughs> there might be more by the time you go and check it out. There's, there could be totally more things. And if if you can think of more things, yeah, you should let us know. Let me know. And you I'll can do put... so by submitting a question on nextsessionpodcast.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The Next Session. And you can always hit me up on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And tune in next time and we will help you prep for your next session. For the next session. Right, good job.